Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And welcome to The Tim's Take, episode 59. Tonight, the soundtrack of this episode is our life. <laughs> yes, which means we do things whenever we can get them done, and we all have really bad allergies. So the dishwasher is going, the laundry, the what, the, what's the word for it? Dryer is running. <laughs> You're stuffed up. My nose is running. I was stuffed up really bad a couple days ago. Oliver's coughing. Yeah, I mean, it's he's, a bit of a mess. he's in bed, so that will be a less of an interruption, we hope. But but here we are. It's another week, another podcast. I'm still really glad to be here. Yeah, me too. I really enjoy doing this with you. Oh, thanks. It's not even when we negotiate for another season. Well, you did bake me cookies earlier, so I'm inclined to be favorable toward you. I had in my notes opening allergies dot 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 because you've had them bad i've never gotten hit that bad i don't know what it was but now you're feeling so good that you decided to leave the windows open Ugh, all day. I, don't, I don't really think about it i just i love the fresh <laughs> air it's beautiful outside i want the windows open i don't the think pollen about index the pollen is at an all-time high i don't you're such a you're such a warrior against the the outdoors <laughs> I, I just true. have never had this mindset and so you're like allergy index high shut it down life is a battle rachel temperature past 80 shut it down either either i will survive or i will die but i will go down fighting <laughs> i grew up in the midwest where any any hint glimmer of good weather you forsaked all other things I know, and now I'm saying one of the things I want to say to you is it's time to leave behind the Midwest mentality. I'm not ready yet. You have good weather here so much. We just have to sometimes put on our helmets and go to war. Close the windows. Should we have a little conversation about a resource that you brought? Yeah. Okay, let's get into it. So the resource I brought is an article called The Harsh Realm of Gentle Parenting, which is in quotations. And it is written by Jessica Winter just a week or so ago in The New Yorker. And I found this really interesting. We're kind of hitting this different phase with Oliver as he's really embracing his toddlerdom. And he is in a spot where he needs guidance, discipline, Whatever you want to call it. I feel like I was hesitant to use the word discipline because even that has some negative connotation sometimes. But that is what he kind of needs at this point in lots of ways. And so I've been really struggling with what that looks like and the ways to do it. I feel like of all the things in kind of this phase of parenting, I am the least experienced with disciplining a child. Yeah, like sure. anyone's child, my child. And it, it probably is one of the most intimidating things for me, if I'm being honest. Like, I feel like we had the newborn phase. There were certain things that were really intimidating about that. But then probably from like six months until like now, I feel like, yeah, I can do most of this. And now we've kind of hit this phase where I'm like, oh, I feel really out of my depth again. Yeah. I don't know. How do you feel? Hmm. That's discipline. Well, I want to dig in maybe a little bit more to what you're feeling. Maybe you can share this story that we processed together a little bit, because I think that unpacks a little bit of how I feel, too. Okay. So why don't, why don't you share what happened? 
last Sunday, right? It was a week ago. Yeah, and then we'll loop back into how this article kind of connects yeah, to everything. Absolutely. So I was taking Oliver a walk. Matt is at church already on Sunday, and so I usually have an hour or so with Oliver in the morning. And so I'm like, "Hey, bud, it's nice out. The allergies aren't bad yet. Let's go on a walk." <laughs> And so we go on a walk, just probably like half a mile from our house. He's in the stroller, which he was happy to get into. And there's some horses on a field nearby. And there's this one horse that really like likes us. And Romeo. His name, name is Romeo. Horse. We learned his name. And he comes over and he'll say hi, which is super fun. And so I will go over and, you know, kind of talk to him. And Oliver was wanting to get out. I do want to back up. When you say he comes and says hi... He doesn't actually say those words because you then said that you went, you would go and talk to him. So I just want to be very clear. This isn't a talking horse in our neighborhood. This is a good clarification. <laughs> but the horse does come over to you. It's quite something to watch, actually. Yeah, it's very cool. So Oliver wants to get out because I'm getting closer to the horse. And yeah. so I say, okay, Oliver, you can come out. That sounds fun. Like, I want to be the cool parent who lets you come and say hi to the horse. This is great. The horse is very gentle. So I get... Oliver out of his stroller and we go see the horse and he's very excited and he's talking to the horse and he's showing the horse's ball and all these things and we're we're hanging out probably for like 10 or 15 minutes so we've been there a while and I I keep trying to like nudge him back to the stroller like hey bud like are you ready to go no okay we'll hang out for a few more minutes this is the last minute okay all right bud the minute's out no <laughs> And on and on we go. It should be pointed out, we're across from a church at this point. And so it is Sunday morning, and now there are cars streaming in. And so I'm like, oh boy, okay, this is going to be a thing. Like, this could turn into a scene. And so I keep trying what will be kind of in the realm of gentle parenting, as we'll describe, trying to get him back into the stroller. And he just does not want to go. And so then I'm kind of left with, like, now it is time. We have to go back to the house and go to church. Like, I need you to get in the stroller. I cannot walk back without you in the stroller. It's not safe for you to walk back. And so at the end of it, I basically have to like manhandle him into the stroller, like using way more force than I would want. And I mean, I reflected with you later, it made me really uncomfortable. Not that I was hurting him in an like overly aggressive way, but it was like I had to use my physical strength to put him back in that stroller. And as soon as I got him back in, he was fine. He calm down we walked back it was no big deal or maybe it was a big deal i guess that's part of the issue <laughs> but it just made it feel a little off but i was also like what was i supposed to do in that moment like i was stuck i needed to get him in the stroller i had run out of my gentle parenting techniques and options and so i put him back in the stroller through whatever means i could get him back in the stroller in. and that's my confusion dilemma intimidation with discipline in a nutshell yeah yeah so maybe we can pull it back to the article because i thought it was pretty helpful both in providing an overview and raising some questions so jessica winters writes the article and she says in the broadest outlines gentle parenting centers on acknowledging a child's feelings and the motivations behind challenging behavior as opposed to correcting the behavior itself the gentle parent holds firm boundaries gives a child choices instead of orders and excuse rewards, punishments, and threats. No sticker charts, no timeouts, no, quote, I will turn this car around right now. Which what I hear you saying is all well and good until there is no choice to be made. 
Like there wasn't, Oliver, would you like to ride in the stroller or would you like to walk? It was just, you have to get into the stroller. This is the option. This is what we're doing. Yeah. We talked about this quite a bit. And I just felt like sometimes we have to use some degree of force. Like not cruelly. And I think part of the key is also like we're not not in an angry way, but to express like this is what we have to do. And so I'm going to put you in your stroller now. I don't know if this is a weird analogy, but as we're talking about this, we just finished watching an NBA basketball game. And there are fouls, obviously, when players get too aggressive, like in the sport, when they do something they're not supposed to do and they use force. But then there's a flagrant foul, which is when excessive force is used. So they kind of went above and beyond what was required in that moment to block a ball or whatever. And they either hurt someone or have the potential to hurt someone. And I feel like we're allowed to make fouls in life. Like we are allowed to foul Oliver. What I don't want to do is do a flagrant foul on Oliver. (laughs) I don't know. Is this making sense? Like sometimes like life just requires like some degree of like boundaries and force and competitiveness. I never want it to be excessive. I I totally understand what you mean. I do think the analogy breaks down because now you're using the word competitiveness like we're competing with our child, which I don't think is necessarily true. I think one of the things you're articulating there is like force exists on a continuum, right? And it's possible to have sort of almost a non-aggressive force that just insists on boundaries. I mean, one of the weird things about gentle parenting and reading this article, and it's, it's worth reading. It's pretty fascinating, I think. So I recommend it to our listeners. We'll link it in the show notes, but part of the premise of gentle parenting is to have firm boundaries. I just read that quote. Yep. But so often I feel like as a parent, you don't know exactly where your boundary should be. For example, well, someone could say to you, Rachel, well, Rachel, your boundary should have been that Oliver needed to stay in the stroller. And then you could have been a gentle parent the whole way because you would have never had to force him back into the stroller. He would have never said no. But I'm sort of like, but how can you know that that was the firm boundary to take? Right in that moment because he could have gotten out and you could have very gently said okay are you ready now or do you want a couple more minutes and then he just said oh great now i'm done and it's like yeah there's so much when it comes to the day-to-day and i don't think i understand how you enforce a firm boundary while in the realm of gentle parenting you know like it says to have firm boundaries but like the the easiest ways or the most accessible ways or the ones I'm most used to are like the authoritarian parenting model of like, no, we're not going to do that. You're going to get in the stroller. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's part of it. You know, there was this other resource that I was potentially going to bring, but there's so much overlap between these two topics. So it's kind of fascinating that we're both bringing this but this was a podcast episode that was recommended to me by a friend of the show tony it's a podcast episode on the ezra klein show and it's an interview with janet lansbury who is mentioned repeatedly in this article interestingly she's basically kind of an advocate for a kind of gentle parenting kind of with a few more specifications but one of the things that i thought was really interesting in her her interview and conversation with ezra klein if i remember correctly is she was saying that it's important for parents to to have boundaries. And one of the examples she gave is if your kid wants to keep playing the same game, 
But you as the parent, if you continue to play this same game, are going to grow more and more frustrated and irritable. You should tell your kid, no, I'm not going to keep playing this game. And like, so she's talking about kind of a self-boundary there, not a boundary on their behavior, which is really interesting, right? But I think it's really, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't read like the the be-all, end-all answer to your question of like, what is that boundary? When do you set that boundary? When do you decide what those boundaries are? And how do you then enforce that boundary as a quote-unquote gentle parent? Yeah, that's interesting. And I think I think that's where... I don't want to bash on gentle parenting. I think as a concept, I think there's a lot of it that's really appealing to me. And I think a lot of it relates to that emotional awareness, both of yourself as a parent and for your child. Like you want them to be able to explain or be able to identify why they're feeling things, what they're feeling and be able to like talk about that and process that. There's a quote from the article that says kind of in this gentle parenting model, the parent provides a model for keeping one's cool but no overt incentives for doing so. The kid becomes a person who is self-regulating, kind, and conscientious because she wants to be, not because it will result in ice cream. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really true. Like, I, it, it, it means that I, as a parent, need to have boundaries so that I can keep my cool, so that I can model that for Oliver. Because as soon as I get worked up and start yelling, like, then he learns that that's the reaction to have when you're stressed and so it's appealing i just i don't quite know how it works out in all of these situations in the article there's this really wonderful line the essential enigma of parenting though is that you are responsible for your children and yet you can't possibly be responsible for them they are clay in your hands they are the rocks that break your hands (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, man, I feel that. (laughs) Oh, but isn't that part of it, right? Like, there's both that responsibility and they are their own people. Yeah. And the choices we make shape them. And also, like, they just have the ability to to destroy us, to break us. Yeah, it's just as as he so clearly, like, has retention for, like, memories more and more, I just... Yeah, it's hard not to feel the pressure of like, like I, when he was a newborn, there was so much room it felt like for trial and error because you're like, oh, he won't really remember any of this, and so if something doesn't work, then that's fine. We'll just move on to the next thing. But he's such a sponge at this age; it's hard to not feel, I think, a little stress about that. Mm. There's a really funny quote at the end of the article. She's talking about how she developed a friendship with a fellow parent. And they mm. realized they had both found themselves trawling Wikipedia late at night trying to find serial killers who had okay childhoods. <laughs> she says, this form of sleep procrastination in its own disordered way was a means of lowering the parenting stakes, of reassuring ourselves that it takes vastly more than saying good job or yelling about shoes to do lasting damage to our kids. And I thought that was a helpful reminder because there's a lot of pressure to do parenting the right way the first go around and yeah it's just an impossible standard i mean one way that i'm kind of thinking about it is you do your best and that means educating yourself and learning things of course but you will never know the impact of your current best until it is too late and at that point you might like 
there's nothing you can do to change it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a little fatalistic. I'm still saying we can learn and grow and do all those things. But in terms of the anxiety around future outcomes for your child, I feel like it's like, this goes back to our conversation from 4,000 weeks. Yeah. Where, right, it's like this, yeah, where suddenly it's like, okay, the way I parent now is going to make him like a self-regulated and well-adjusted 18-year-old. So if I speak out of turn or with a gruff voice on any day, I may just have set him back like three years in development. It's like, well, I mean, maybe, but you can't know that. You don't know that. There's probably very little scientific evidence that actually says that. Like, this is kind of amorphous, a little bit of an amorphous world often. Yeah. So is it really worth the stress? Yeah. And kids are just kids. Like, they're going to do their own thing, you know? And yet we will still stress about it, I Of know. course we will. Of course. <laughs> always. And I think, I mean, I, we talked about this. I think I really want to make sure you and I either take some education courses or some training or read a book together about some different models of discipline because I do still feel out of my depth. I think you're doing great. I really do. Thank you. I think you're really hard on yourself. I do appreciate that. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, of course, like I said, we should continue educating and learning, and we'll keep doing our best. We will. Sorry, Oliver. We love you. <laughs> Listening to this 20 years later. Should I move on to our final segment? Yep. We're calling this segment, I don't think we've done this one before. This is what we call quiet play companions. So when Oliver is quietly playing, or we insist, we set a firm boundary that this is quiet play time. What have, What is something we've been reading or read recently? So I have read two of these books by this author in the past year, and I just really thoroughly enjoyed them. The author is Emily Henry, and she's written Beach Read and The People We Meet on Vacation. <laughs> and they're both very light but not fluffy rom-com reads. And they definitely don't subvert the genre, but they are a little bit different than your traditional rom-com. And I just find them great. And I think as we head into the summer, they do make great beach reads. And there is a new book that she has coming out in May called Book Lovers, which I think will be along the same kind of lines as the other two. So I think they're great. Very easy reads. Nice. I... Interestingly, I'm also bringing what is categorized as a romantic comedy. Mm. I read this book, Us, by David Nichols. And I think what captured me about it initially was it's a pretty unique style. I learned later that David Nichols is a screenwriter as well. And that made total sense because you start reading this book and it's short chapters. And it feels like you are reading the voiceover of the opening scenes of a rom-com. Like... I don't think this is a flawless book. I think I found it probably a little too long, but the style was very intriguing to me. It was it was enough to keep me going. I think there is enough kind of plot and interest. And then it is funny. His voice is funny. And so you there's it's there's just a, kind of an entertaining piece to it. Maybe worth checking out. All right. Well, I think that does it for this week. Yep. Till next time. I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And that is your Tim's take.